Welcome back to the Originals podcast. As a global pandemic has hit, we've been in short hiatus. You'll understand there's been heaps going on at Richmond and recalibrating to be done in all of our lives. But for episode nine, we're set up Brave New World style with three computer screens and a Zoom booking linking Perth, where today's subject is stationed, Melbourne, where our wonderful producer, Matt, is, and Sydney, that covers me. I've been looking forward to chatting long form with Monique Conti since we put this podcast plan on a whiteboard at Punt Road. As a footballer, she's a jet. Accolades including Premiership Player, All-Australian, Club Best and Fairest and Best on Ground in a winning grand final performance. That's when she was Western Bulldog, before a huge recruiting crew by the Tigers saw her change colours. Mon's also an outstanding basketballer, representing Australia in junior ranks, then joining the elite senior women's competition in this country, a path she still hopes will take her to an Olympic Games one day. More on that in the pod, because as she shares, she made the hardest decision of her life earlier this year when she chose to focus solely on her AFLW career. This episode's going to sound a little different, so bear with us. I've got workmen next door, a few motorbikes in the neighbourhood, and I'm a bit slow to close the windows. Mon has a couple of interruptions too. They're good ones, featuring her boyfriend, fellow Richmond player, Sydney Stack. When Mon and I talk, she's in lockdown, stationed in Sydney's sister's house. Of course, I'm keen to hear more about this blooming footy love story. And... Speaking of, this is what's in. <laughs> Can you get up, Miss? Oh, yes. Hello. We're speaking about you. Hi, Sydney. She says hello. Hey. Hello. You can't hear me because you've got your earphones in. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sydney can't actually hear me at this point. Mon, set up on a bed for our chat, is plugged in with wireless earphones. Yeah, sort of saying that like he's, he's just full of energy and he just um, he just wants the best for me and himself. Um, and I don't know, we just have so much in common and, yeah, just is always positive and always... Um, I think when you speak about football in terms of Sydney, he always wants to prove people wrong in a way and just show everyone what he's got. But, yeah, aside from that, he's just... He just treats me so well and I think we keep each other motivated and we push each other in different ways, not just in, with our sport but with life itself. So, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like we, we connect so well together and, and that's why we're so happy and been happy this whole entire time. We've had ups and downs and everything but um, no, I couldn't think of a better partner to be with. It was on my list to, to talk to you about but um, I'm just going to put it aside for now. I'm keen to hone in on Mon and specifically the moment when the stumps were abruptly pulled out of AFLW season four. With COVID-19 changing the world as we knew it, the season was cancelled at round six. AFL ruling, no premier, not even a carrot of a potential conclusion in a COVID-safe future. How did one of the most talented AFLW players feel about that? I was angry in a way. Because, you know, who wants a footy season to fall short in any way? And it did for us two rounds in an already short season. Um, it was pretty shattering. So I was pretty frustrated. But at the end of the day, it was something that I couldn't control. So I had to sort of put um, that aside and sort of focus on what I can be doing. Um, so obviously we got um, some programs and all that to do. And it is hard to keep up with all that, um, considering 
that you've only really got yourself to motivate yourself. So it's, yeah, it's been tough emotionally. Like I've sort of had days where I'm like getting up, oh, it's just the same old thing all over again. Um, and not knowing when it's going to end or when everything's going to start up again. Um, and my basketball season for the winter got cancelled, so I don't have that full back on at the moment. So sort of just shooting hoops with my 12-year-old sister in Sydney in my backyard is sort of my basketball. When this all first started happening, I was a bit, I lo- I was a bit lost and I couldn't just go out and go to training and, and compete because I compete every day with um, playing football and basketball as a job, I guess. So for that not to be there anymore, I was definitely very lost. But I think personally, I'm very lucky that I've got um, Sydney as well because, you know, I can always compete with him one way or another. And that's still, I'm still getting, getting that um getting that not exactly like I would playing a proper game or going to training with my teammates or anything, but it's, it's still something there. And I think that's really important. I've got to, um, yeah, I've got to keep finding those little wins here and there. You know, when you say ticking off a little goal that in this new normal makes you feel good, could you just give us, yeah, a few examples of even if they sort of sound silly saying them out loud, uh, I think mm-hmm. listeners will appreciate that we're all sometimes just... I don't know, the most simple things right now feel amazing. Yeah. Um, Little goals would have to be getting up before 12. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Probably if I'm doing a running program, obviously completing that. Um, And, you know, if I've got um, like a weights program to do or a body weights program to do, if if I do that and I know that I've done that, you know, to my full capacity, then I'll, that's a box, another box I'll tick. Um, and like when I'm going for runs with Sydney, trying to keep up with him, like that's another yeah. big tick for me. And if I do, if I'm close, then big tick. Um, and then the next time I want to try and like really keep up with him. And then that's another tick for me and making my bed in the morning. <laughs> Who's setting your athletic program? Because Sydney, given the AFL men's program is, you know, ongoing, even if different, the AFLW, I'm guessing, is not. Do you have any contact with AFLW program apart from us doing this chat through Richmond or is it a basketball um, line of communication or something else that's guiding you at this point as an athlete? Um, it's it's the Richmond one at the moment, so I'm just keeping in contact with everyone there and strength and conditioning coach. Um, Matt Parker over there. So he's, you know, giving me a program, personalised program to do. Yeah, I think staying connected is is very important. That's what I've been doing. Is there a way that the team, the AFLW Tigers, are bonding? Is it a WhatsApp? Is there crazy Zooms? You told me you don't use House Party yet. But um, <laughs> is there anything that you, you guys are doing? Um, we do WhatsApp and we've been doing Zoom catch-ups every week. Um, and, yeah, we've just been – everyone who's, who can make it will, um, yeah, we'll just pop on, pop our heads on in Zoom and we'll just have a chat, just having a good laugh and just catching up with everyone, which is wow. – yeah, I love it. I think it's great. That'd be hectic, though. Like, how many – have we got sort of 30 mm. faces there? Well, I figured out on Zoom that you can click the gallery little button and it's got everyone's heads on the one screen in little squares. I just figured that out the other day. What are you missing the most, whether that is personal, professional or a blend? Um, I'm missing that routine that's always there. 
um, I'm missing footy and basketball as a whole. I'm just missing going out to a court and shooting and playing games and getting on the field and running around. I'm just I'm missing doing everything that I've been doing all the time for nearly my whole life, being a dual athlete, busy all the bloody time. So, yeah, just missing being busy. It feels like forever ago, but you were in one of the biggest trades that the AFL women's four-year competition has ever known. You moved from the Western Bulldogs to the Richmond Footy Club. Let's go back there. Like, what lured you? It was a whole bunch of different factors, but I... um, yeah, I didn't, you know, speak to Richmond until the end of um, that season. So I sort of just waited and waited and there was some interest there. So I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll go in and I'll, I'll see what it's all about and everything. And they didn't try and, and sell me in any other way, but just tell me what their program was about. And I thought that was really special. And um, what Parks and Cade and everyone had put together in that, like for the VFLW season, um, it seemed to be, it was something that I just wanted to be a part of for AFLW and, and building something new and, and something that could potentially be massive for the club. So I just wanted to be a part of, um, you know, growing the program there at Richmond. And yeah, it was just, I couldn't really, I walked out and I, I just thought, you know, I can't, I can't say no to this. It just seemed like a really good opportunity for me to build as an athlete and as a leader as well, being, I guess, one of the experienced players um, coming in. So, uh, yeah, I thought that would just be really good for my own um, personal development. And they sort of wanted me to be the best athlete I could be. And for me, being a dual athlete, that's really important. Instead of just focusing on um, being the best footballer I can be, they wanted me to be the best athlete. So they wanted to help me with my basketball and my football. And that was obviously a massive tick for me. So, um, Bulldogs were great. I, I love my time at the Bulldogs, but I just thought um, I could see myself developing further um, and I could see um, I was just thinking long term with Richmond and yeah, that's the path that I decided to take. There'll be Bulldogs fans listening thinking, great, but why the hell couldn't you do that and stay at the Noble because they'll you know, be sad that you left. What, yeah. what would you say? To them. It was the toughest decision that I had ever had to make. Um, and yeah, it was, I was leaving a lot behind at Bulldogs, a lot of um, relationships that I made there and, and friendships and the bonds with the coaches. I, it was really hard, but um, I sort of thought um, if I, yeah, thinking long-term that was at Richmond is, is sort of where I'd see myself getting better and better and better as a player, as an athlete and all sorts so yeah it was Richmond's program was just way too hard to turn the Bulldogs for a whole lot of reasons were a a talking point around culture and whatnot this season I don't want to be forcing you into terrain that doesn't feel safe or good or useful but is there anything you would say about that um no not really don't really have um, much on that but when when I was um, down at the Bulldogs especially that first year um, the culture was massive there and it was something that I've never experienced before and to me it was like being from being in a basketball team um, and then coming over to a football team that's so connected it was just so different for me so um, whenever I was there the culture was was really great and I don't know what it's like now but you know, it was tough to sort of leave that behind and go build something new at Richmond. 
Sydney bought me in some brunch. <laughs> There's a coffee. <laughs> and I've got um, eggs, two, two eggs on toast. And he even bought Vegemite, which is perfect. <laughs> Sydney, Sydney ticks all the boxes. What a man. You also had another really big decision. And yeah, that was, was yeah, about the basketball. Yeah. Um, that's probably the toughest, toughest decision that I've ever had to make. And then that um, switching um, teams was obviously definitely right next to that. I was in my fourth year playing at the Boomers, which, um, yes, felt like a veteran. And I was only 19 at the time. Um, but, but it was – I wasn't um, – I didn't feel like I had a massive role there at the Boomers and I didn't want to see myself missing out on helping lead Richmond and being a big part of the Richmond team for AFLW. I couldn't see myself missing out on that and um, playing a minimal role at the Boomers. It was so difficult. I'd come home crying all the time to mum and Sydney and, and not knowing what to do because I wanted to do both, but um, I just it they weren't really allowing me to because obviously there's a risk playing both so in my own head I could have played round one played basketball and then gone and play round one and then continue play but and like mix it up and sort of go from um one code to another but yeah it was it wasn't I guess it was sort of too much of a risk to do that on the basketball end you know I had to speak to some people high up at Boomers and and the head coach which was really difficult for me to do uh, yeah, and I had to sit in front of my teammates and tell them, which was obviously really difficult for me to do. Couldn't hold back the tears, but because, um, you know, you build so many, like I see those, saw those girls every single day, trained every single day with them, travelled with them. And to tell them that I wasn't going to be continuing on with them was was definitely really difficult. Yeah, I still see myself as a dual athlete in the future. I want to um, still juggle both because I've been doing that for a long time. So I still want to juggle both. I still want to represent my country at the Olympics one day and the world championship so that's definitely still a massive goal of mine um but at that point in time I wanted to focus on AFLW it's only a short season so I wanted to focus on that and and come into that with all guns blazing. When could you potentially represent Australia at a world champs in basketball or at an Olympics or both what years are we talking do you think? I'm in the point guard position so for me I think um I've got to wait on some more experience and I have to play some big WNBL minutes and, and first lead a, a team that way before I can sort of put my foot in the door there. So it could be if, um, the next Olympics, it could be the Olympics after. But, um, yeah, I think with my role, um, the more experience I have, the, um, the more clear the path becomes for me. So I can't really put a, um, a date on that, but hopefully, you know, in the next couple of Olympics, I'll be representing my country in one of those. Amazing. So when you say next Olympics, just to be clear, you don't mean Tokyo 2021? Oh, no. Saying, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Paris yeah. beyond. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hey, Mon, we've, like, hit about 40 minutes on this Zoom and I'm very conscious that you've got, like, hot eggs. Do you want to eat them? Like, we, we need to take a forced break because of the, um, you know, the Zoom rules. Do you want to eat it? Do you want to have your coffee? Or do you want to just, like, pick it straight back up? I'm, I'm fine to keep going unless okay. you need to eat. No, I'm, I'm no. good. 
We discover here that we've been gifted unlimited talk time. Thanks, Zoom. We love you, whoever you are. Awesome. We've got the upgrade. All right, well, um, Sydney's eggs are just going to sit on the doona for a bit longer while we keep talking about you. You could have reversed it and gone, I'm pursuing the high-performance sport, the Olympic, the Australia, blah, blah, blah. If you'd made that decision, just snapshot for us how your life would look. I think um, everything would stay exactly the same besides the football. Um, so I'd be doing exactly what I was doing with my basketball, but obviously not for like not juggling anything. It would just be that. Um, I'd probably still be playing in Melbourne. Um, I love being close to home. So yeah, I think honestly, it would probably just be continuing what I'm doing and just following strictly, strictly following that um, basketball pathway. No one's done a dual athlete thing like basketball and football before um, earlier on in their career. So I just wanted to do that. And I think because it's never been really done before, not many people understand it. I think I just want to keep trying to push that and push that. And I know there's a lot of young girls coming through that want to play both. So hopefully I'm opening that door for them um, to, you know, see that that's possible. And hopefully their coaches that are coaching them at such a young age are also seeing that that's a, something that can be done. Non-Conti as an athlete, what motivates you? I want to be successful. I, I like proving people wrong. So, you know, um, growing up, no, you can't do that. Or growing up, girls don't play footy. And like, what, you can't do both. Like, and a lot of people to this day will still say that you can't be good at, basketball and football at a high level so that motivates me to be successful at both as much as I can so which coach any sport any level has been the most influential for you so far um Ray Tomlinson um for basketball so he's obviously a hall of famer he's definitely the best coach that I've ever come across he um He's been a real successful coach and, and I was lucky enough to be coached by him in under 16s, but I had a lot to do with him previously as well growing up um, as a basketballer at Melbourne Tigers. So, yeah, he coached me in under 16s and I think as soon as from then on is where my career, not like obviously I'm still in my career, but that's sort of where it sort of took off a little bit. Um, yeah. I started to make state teams. I started to make um, junior Australian teams and then WNBL. But he was just a coach that um, saw something in me and, and knew something was there and he'd always push me. Um, he knew that I could do better and he would be the one that just pushed me to do that little bit better. And my basketball um, IQ wouldn't be there without him. He knew that I was a bit different as a, as a basketball player. Um, I was really little, but um, I was just fearless. And I still am. I just don't see myself as being small on the court. And he, he knew that. And he's, he knew that I played with a lot of heart. And, and for a coach to see that and just want you to be the best that you can be. Um, and, yeah, I just, I just praise him for being the coach he was. And he used to yell and yell and yell all the time. But I loved it. Like, I just learnt so much of him. And then which athlete would you say is your ultimate inspiration? And Phillips, definitely one. Um, I don't just have one, though. Um, 
Erin Phillips and um, I idolise Dustin Martin. He's obviously a really great footballer. Um, I just love the way he plays. It's so unique. And um, as a footballer, I want to be that unique type of player as well. So he's him, Aaron Phillips, um, for obvious reasons. And um, Paddy Mills is another basketballer as well, just because, you know, he's short, but, you know, he's probably one of the best players um, in Australian basketball. And, you know, the way he just goes about his game is amazing. You picked Dustin's brain. Is there anything that you've asked him or that he's taught you? Um, not personally. Um, probably just a little bit shy in that end but no I um you or I haven't at, me me I haven't <laughs> as yet but I do plan on doing so a hundred percent especially you know in the next couple of years I definitely want to try and pick his brain and and to be honest any Richmond player's brain because you know they're all there full-time and they're obviously really smart footballers and I you know want to be educated a bit more in my um football so yeah I'd love to be able to pick his brain a hundred percent Dustin Martin were listening to this podcast and who's to say he isn't? Hi, Dustin. How's it going? <laughs> Hello. What, <laughs> what would you ask him? Oh, um, I would ask him, I don't know. I, I wouldn't have one question. I'd have multiple questions to ask just about, you know, how he goes about his football and, you know, routines and, mindset is probably a huge thing because you know him being one of the best players um obviously being targeted every single game like what's your mindset going into that let's talk about season one for richmond in aflw what off the top of your head is the high point high point um round one um with you know the, the roar of the bloody tiger army was amazing um and the game against geelong because we played our we showed glimpses of our best footy in that game and, yeah, those two. Low point? Um, low point would have to be um, not, winning, well, not winning a game. <laughs> Did you think that you improved every week as a team? I, I think we showed glimpses of improvement every single week, but our problem was not being able to put it together for four quarters. So, like... Yeah, we we showed quarters where we were like, we're playing good footy here, but then we wouldn't back it up. And that was the only problem. If we put all those quarters together, we'd be and like, we'd play some really, really good football consistently. But yeah, that's just our only problem to be able to put it together. If you reflect on your thoughts, your genuine internal thoughts pre-season, all things being equal, did you expect to win one game? Um, yeah, I expected to win a lot more, but just I sort of you could think of it as two ways. You had a really young team, and you could think of it as we could come into this competition being the underdogs and sort of just because we were so young and inexperienced, just playing footy with just going out there and just playing. Or we could think of it as being an inexperienced young team. So there's the lack of experience there. Not many girls at all have ever played at this level before. So we might just be beaten with, you know, experience is one thing, but then that would obviously reflect on the scoreboard and all that. But I would think of it as the first option. Like, I've got a, we've got a young team. We could build something new here. We can just go out there and play and, and see where that takes us. So I thought that could win us a couple of games. 
I'm going to shut this window because there's dudes like building a house next door right now. Oh, is that what that noise was? <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's not my sledgehammer. <laughs> Do you reckon there was something that sort of stands out that wasn't quite right in the mix on reflection that maybe that you'd highlight as either could have been better or that you think will change for season two? No, the only thing that I can really put a finger on is that young, the young girls that we had, we just had so many and it was not a bad thing at all. It was just the lack of experience that we had. But, you know, going into next year, we'll definitely have that. What about if you were recruiting boss? Um, is there a type of player or an area of the team that you would like to bolster most and rate as the priority? Um, probably in the midfield. Um, yeah. Just we we have some great little mid, like great young midfielders, but maybe an extra experienced one in there would um, would help the team as a whole. And is there anything within the program itself? You know, is there anything either in feedback debriefs that you care to share here that you would say could help boost the program? I think everything um, ticks all my boxes personally. Um, Richmond as a whole just take great care of the athlete and I've never been a part of something like that. So I think a lot of the girls that I've never experienced playing at another club will probably not know that. But um, I know by, you know, playing, I guess, professional sport for a while um, that the care that Richmond has for the players is just second to none. If you could bring one thing into the whole competition for 2021. Oh, season length. Already, I want to play more games. More games. Um, yeah, more games. Just, I, yeah, if we could play every team once, then that, that will already be a start to something bigger, I think. Maybe more pre-season as well leading into that because at the end of the day, a lot of girls are full-time workers and they can't spend their whole day training for football. So if we could just have more pre-season time, maybe that um, would just help. For sure. You've got a, a source very close to the AFL men's um, at your fingertips, basically. Uh, chef, footballer, dancer, <laughs> rapper. How did yep. you... T do you remember the moment that you and Sydney first crossed paths yeah. or saw each other yeah. on Instagram? I don't know. Like, you tell us what you want to share, please. Um, so I think... I was playing a VFL game um, against DeLong and he was there with his mate watching. Um, I think he was sort of just floating around, not even sure if he was watching. Um, and, yeah, he, this is what he tells me. He told me that he saw um, saw this number four, like, with the ball all the time and, like, oh, who is this chick? Like, she's, she's, she's all right um, and all that sort of stuff. And then he found me on Instagram and then just went from there and then we um we were just like just chatting as friends and whatever and then we crossed paths at the club properly um I was doing rehab for my ankle and he was also doing rehab for his ankle um for his injury that he had and sort of like training in and out of the gym and I was just there in the gym doing it and he sort of just said hello and and it just yeah it went from there really so who sent the first direct message I'm guessing it was direct message yeah it's in the yeah and then you know when you're doing your ankle biz bonding over injured ankles what what did you like about him 
in the first instance. From what I saw on social media and, um, you know, when you're watching Richmond games, you're seeing him doing this in the camera all the time, like a bit of shackers and all that. Um, I think just the confidence and the, the goofiness um, probably was something that stood out and, yeah, those two things. And are they the same two things that now that you know each other heaps better, they're the same two things that you like? Yep. Um, they definitely are. There's obviously a lot more because, you know, in a relationship now you build a lot of, um, you build a lot more um, every single day. And um, yeah, he's, we just, I don't know, there's just a connection there. We just click so well. We have the same sense of humour. Um, he's, he's a very lovable person. My whole family absolutely adores him. So that's obviously a massive tick as well. Um, yeah, he's just very respectful, very, very polite. I just feel like we're, we're very good for each other and we, we, yeah, we just motivate each other in um, every single way possible. So, yeah. What's he taught you about footy, Yvonne? Um, that's an interesting question because a lot of the time I'd watch my game back and um, like sort of critique myself here and there, but I'd always have him there like helping me out or you could have done this or that was good that you did that. And he'd sort of like, helped me out with when I was watching it and sort of just teach me a little bit because he obviously is at the club every single day um, and he knows a lot about football and he obviously learns a lot as well. So, yeah, he was sort of just that extra couple of eyes just to help me out um, when I was watching my games back, which I think sort of built my IQ a little bit as well. Even right now, like running with each other and him pushing you in that respect which is such a good kind of benchmark and carrot for you to be chasing mm. what what do you think that you're teaching him or what does he tell you that you teach him about being the best athlete that he can be mm. well just just on that um he's obviously helped me like we used to go for kicks um every now and again as well and he'd sort of just helped me in that area too well, when, when we'd watch his preseason games back, um, yeah, we sort of just watch it and talk about the game in general. Um, not good. Yeah, I didn't really critique him that much because he knew what he was doing and all that. I'd sort of pick his brain though, when because he's obviously played in the back line and the forward line and and on the wing and he's played in all sorts of positions. So I'd sort of just ask him questions and oh, why are you there? Why didn't you go there? Like, and he'd just explain that to me. And I guess that was sort of might have helped him in a way where I'm asking him questions and he's having to explain it sort of helps him as well. So we push each other. Like I'll be like, come on, let's go for a run. And he'd be like, okay, let's go. And if none of us said anything, then we might not have even gone or we might've just gone separately. So I think, yeah, in that way, I sort of help him and he helps me. I'm no expert here, but um, I was looking at his Instagram rapping, dancing video posts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, it's so great. Like, he's yeah. just... The thing I love about it, it's just so free. Yeah. See, Sydney is the character that he doesn't really care what people think. He will do what it... Like, he will do what he wants. And if he wants to go and do a singing video, he will. If he wants to go and dance, he will. If he wants to just post a video and talk to the fans, he will do that. So he's... And that's, that's what's so unique about him as well. Like, he just... 
he doesn't yeah he doesn't care about the outside noise and what people think of him he he just cares about what he thinks of himself and i think that's really important and he's you know he's now on the tiktok so he's doing all sorts of different dances and it's really funny to see the behind the scenes if i'm honest <laughs> of it all uh sometimes i've been behind the camera filming him. <laughs> <laughs> i've got to say like and I'm totally serious here i find it really inspiring like because he's just he he doesn't it, it gives the impression that he doesn't care but not in an arrogant way just in a this is what i'm doing this is who i am this is me yeah yeah he's not afraid yeah he's not afraid to show people who he really is and and he's obviously does that by dance new rap he'll sing he'll do all that sort of stuff and i think that's you like you don't see anyone else doing that and that's what's that's what's special about Cinder yeah he doesn't he doesn't care what people think but not in a bad way in a way that he's happy to sort of show his true colors just straight out totally that's how it comes across yeah. what are you learning you said that your family loves him um what are you learning about his family and we find you right now i'm guessing in a in a family home yeah, we're, I'm saying, we're saying with his sister, he's got a lot of nieces and nephews and we're with a few right now. So his family's great, especially his sisters just support him 110%. And they they love me too, which is a big tick. And yeah, just the support that he's got from them as well and and all that sort of stuff is really great. And, and yeah, they're just such a good close-knit family. They're all connected. And I think that's also very important. Family's obviously important to him and, and I respect that, which is obviously why I'm up here with them. So. Yeah, they're really, they're really good. And culturally, Mon, because, um, yes, in my extensive Instagram research, of course, I saw that you had got some tattoos. J- just paint the picture that you're showing me now. Yep. Can you, can you talk me through? I think there's one there on your forearm and maybe one behind, behind your ear. Yeah, yeah. Could you just describe the significance as you understand it? Yeah, so... Um, Obviously, his culture is very important to him, and, and I respect that 100%. And this, um, the lizard tattoo that we've got is um, is the stack totem, and that is sort of a symbol of, I guess, the stack name in a way. And I got that out of respect for his family and in him as well, and to show that I, you know, I appreciate his culture and, and respect it, like I've just said. Um, so that's probably, you know, the, the main reason I got that. And the one behind my ear means um, it means woman, and he's got the one that says man. So it's sort of like I'm his woman, he's my man, sort of thing. But it's just a, it's like an indigenous symbol of that. So that's yeah, quite some significance behind it. But yeah, I guess the main thing would have been out of love and respect for Sydney and his family. When you sort of put it out there and showed the world that you were a couple. Was that something you coordinated? Like, and were you scared of it or judgment or even the fact that, you know, in life things can come and go? Like, just anything that you want to share there about when you decided, like, to make it, I guess, public? Yeah, so it was sort of a no-brainer thing. So we are obviously together and um, I think one of us posted a photo on Instagram. I think Sid posted one which was the one that was all over the paper. Um, yeah, I think we didn't really, he did say it will blow up. Like if we make a post about it, then it will probably blow up. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, no one's going to really care. Like we're just together. What more do they want to know? But turns out 
they wanted to know a lot more. So as soon as we posted that photo, it literally the next day it was in the Herald Sun. Um, and then it was online and then there was another story and then there was another one and it just kept going and going. And I was like, Oh damn. But then again, like it wasn't something we were hiding. So it wasn't something we were ashamed of or anything, but then I was sort of thinking like, um, you know, what's the big deal? What's more, like, what do they want to know? We're together. That's really it. But yeah, it was, it was kind of funny to see, um, you open the paper and you see your, your face in there with Sydney and it's like, Oh, there we are again. Like it was just, um, but I guess it, yeah, I guess it's, it's different. Like there's, you don't really see an AFLW player and an AFL men's player from the same club together, both, um, yeah, together at all. So that's why I guess it was quite unique and that's the way I saw it. Like it's, it's never really happened before. So that's why it's so special in this regard. There's so much that we've not been able to enjoy this year. But just in closing, what is your defining happy moment of this weird, wild, wonderful AFLW season 2020? I guess this might sound a bit corny, but the fact that I got to play for Richmond and I got to put on that yellow and black and, and represent such an amazing club is probably that the moment like especially that round one the moment that sort of stands out to me is to run out there and play under those colors um yeah it wasn't the season that um I expected at all in any sense um but it was you don't um regret it in any way like I just enjoyed every single bit of it well you'll be doing it some more and so many people can't wait uh, to see it again in in all capacities this is not a podcast uh communications frame we could ever have predicted but i think somehow we've managed to cover quite a bit of territory and it's been an absolute pleasure so thank you no worries thanks for having me it's been a great chat and if you want to have another chat um whenever then i've got nothing to do so, no. <laughs> so i'm free i'm free <laughs> we wind it up here or thereabouts the truth is we could actually both keep talking. But officially, that's episode nine of The Originals, an edition recorded in circumstances we could never have predicted. Then again, one thing we know and love about sport and about life is that it's predictably unpredictable. Hopefully, you'll join us next week for the final episode of The Originals season one. Our guest is Richmond's inaugural AFLW captain, Katie Brennan. For now though, Thanks for listening today. I'm Sam Lane, and this hasn't changed. Sign off, Brendan Gale. If you like what you hear, share it with your friends, family, footy fans, even someone who thinks they don't like footy. And final word, or maybe two, Peggy O'Neill. Go Tigers. Go Tigers.